Hey everybody, this is Steve Hutto with the Missions Community and also with Harvest Celebration Ministries. I want to thank you for stopping by and listening to my podcast. I am talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and this is part two. Uh, I would love for you to hear part one. I'm going to do a brief review, but I can't, of course, go into great detail on part one. But part one takes a look at Jesus and uh, his partnership with the Holy Spirit and how Jesus not only was born of the Spirit, conceived of the Spirit in the Virgin Mary, but he was also baptized in the Holy Spirit when John the Baptist baptized him in water, which launched his ministry. And I'll touch briefly on that before I go into um, the, the, the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit part two. But I asked the question in part one, when did Jesus begin his ministry? And we learned that Luke 3.33 says, when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age. He was about 30 years of age. So for 30 years, he didn't minister as uh, the Savior come into the world. He didn't teach on the principles of the kingdom until after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we learned that when he was 30 years of age, that he was launched into the ministry by receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit after he had received water baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. It was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power from on high, that launched Jesus into his ministry on the earth. Over in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, this was after this happened now, after Jesus had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 4, 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the, the devil. And notice that God didn't allow Jesus to be tempted by the devil until after he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So when he went into the, spirit, into the wilderness full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, then that's when uh, Satan came to tempt him, to try to get him in three areas, to submit to him. And of course, Jesus won the victory there in the wilderness by overcoming the enemy with the Word of God. But he was anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, over in Mark 1.12, we saw that after Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. That's Mark's account. And then back over to Luke chapter 4 again, but this time verses 14 and 15. And Jesus returned to Galilee. Now this is after he was tempted by the devil and overcame Satan. And Satan gave up and left him. The scripture says he left him um, until an opportune time. So, Luke 4, 14 and 15, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Now, quick recap on what I just said. 
We know that Jesus, we can read about it in Luke chapter 1, and I believe it's uh, early books of Matthew, when the angel appeared to Gabriel, and also, I mean, Gabriel the angel appeared to Mary, and then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, and basically confirmed to both of them that she would be with a child by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the child conceived of in Mary's womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so that uh, Gabriel said the holy child born of Mary would be called the Son of God. So, number one, he was born of the Spirit. And number two, he was baptized and empowered by the Spirit. And that is when he began teaching and ministering and performing miracles and signs and wonders um, the last three and a half years of his life. He was 30 years of age when that's, that uh, started, or when he started doing that. And I asked the question, why was Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit? The answer is for ministry. For ministry. Certainly to be victorious over the enemy when he tries to come to Jesus and he tried to come, tries to come to you and me. Certainly we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be, to be victorious. But probably even more so, we need the power, the endowment of power from on high, known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit for ministry. God supernaturally anointed Jesus by the Holy Spirit to perform ministry, to pour the kingdom, to teach the principles of the kingdom. And as he did to perform healing and miracles and raising the dead, he needed that, and so do we, for us to fulfill the great commission given by Jesus before he went back to heaven. We need the supernatural endowment of power of the Holy Spirit. God never, he never designed the Great Commission so that we get out there and we mean well, but we do it strictly under our own power. There has to be leading the way, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's what causes people to see that God the Father is real, that Jesus is real, and that He loves us so much is when God moves in a person's behalf in means far beyond what humanity can accomplish. And that's through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So always remember, if Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit for ministry then we, you and me, you and I, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to effectively and powerfully minister for Jesus Christ. Now, I said this, and I'm going to say it again because it's really good. Jesus was baptized in the same Holy Spirit that he told his disciples to wait for before they launched out to ministry. And let's just look at that right now. When Jesus rose from the dead, and before he went back to the Father, in Luke 24, Luke chapter 24, starting with verse, verse 46, this is what Jesus said. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Thus far, that's the Great Commission talking about Jesus, proclaiming Jesus' work of the cross, proclaiming repentance for forgiveness of sins, starting in Jerusalem to all the nations. Verse 48, Jesus said to his disciples, and he, you know, to his disciples, he said, and you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, and behold, 
I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you're to stay in the city. You know, the Great Commission says, go. But Jesus is saying here, this is Luke's account of the Great Commission, and he adds that part. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And that's when the Great Commission kicks in. That's when you go after you've stayed and received the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the the baptism in the Holy Spirit is is completely necessary for a born-again Christian in order to be effective for Jesus, in order to spread and extend the kingdom of God in this earth by winning people to Jesus. Because under the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we do far more and far beyond what we can do without that power. Jesus himself even said in John 14, 12, he said, He who believes in me, and that's not just the disciples, that's you and me. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life for Him to him? Well, you believe in him. He who believes in me, Jesus said, the, the, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Jesus is saying, you're going to do, he wants you, my friend, to do greater works than he did because he went to the Father. What did he go to the Father for? Well, one of the main reasons was to send forth the promise of the Father, which took place on the day of Pentecost. We will look at that. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh and whoever would receive Jesus and receive him, the baptism that he provides and gives would be empowered with power from on high or endued with power from on high. And those are the ones that Jesus uses the most because they're doing the same thing he did. Yet, it's not just Jesus. Going back to John 14, 12, it's you, it's me, it's millions of people at one time, billions of people at one time, and throughout all eternity, millions and billions and billions of people who are, who are, are doing or have done the same ministry of Jesus. Why? Because they're empowered with the same Holy Spirit Jesus was empowered with and told them to wait for. Now over to Acts 1 verse 8. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Man, that's good. Jesus was telling his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. Then you'll be my witnesses. He didn't say you'll go out and witness. He didn't say you'll go out and try to get people to pray the sinner's prayer. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you turn into a witness. You sleep as a witness. You are awake as a witness. You talk as a witness. You think as a witness. You ponder things as a witness. And your life in general, your complete life becomes a witness for Jesus. Yes, that includes talking. That includes leading people in the sinner's prayer. But it's so much more than that. As you live under the power of the Holy Spirit, you are a witness to those people that know you, that live with you, and maybe people that don't know you that well, that come across your path, that you're different because you are born again and filled with, empowered by the Holy Spirit.
Now, John the Baptist, of course, came, preparing the way, the Scripture says, for Jesus to come upon the scene, and initially, when he came upon the scene, to receive the baptism. But listen to what John the Baptist, who was baptizing people in water, said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. Now, I explained a little bit more about John's ministry in the first part of his teaching, part 1. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, he's referring to Jesus, he's mightier than I, and I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's powerful. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. My friend, this is not salvation. This is the endowment of power to call someone who is born again of the Spirit of God to be endued with power from on high, to go out and minister. Not just do the work of the ministry, that of course is included, but minister as a human existing on this planet, born of the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. There's a big difference. You know, so many people are trying to live for Jesus and do good and do right without the power of the Holy Spirit. My friend, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is dunamis in the Greek. The power it refers to is the Greek word dunamis, which is God's enabling. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God can do beyond what you can do? Do you believe that things that are impossible for man are possible for God? I mean, the Scripture says His thoughts and His ways are so far above us. That doesn't mean that we're not worth anything. It means that those thoughts and those ways become a reality to us and through us by His power, not our power. I hope you're understanding that. And if you believe that God can do anything, you next need to believe that God can do anything through you. And the only way that's going to happen is if you submit yourself to Jesus, submit to, of course, serving Him, uh, He as your Savior, but also say, Jesus, empower me to do what you did. Empower me to do what you've called me to do, which I understand is far beyond my own abilities. Man, I tell you what, serving Jesus has been such an adventure for me. And I'm just getting into this stuff. I'm just learning. (laughs) I'm just receiving. I'm just opening up more to Jesus. But it's been such an adventure because I've seen Jesus do such incredible things in my life and through my life. And it's going to get better and better, more and more, as we go along. So let me ask you again, do you believe that God can do more than you? Ephesians 3.20, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you ask or think, according to the power that works in us, or works in you, Man, that's that's powerful. That's incredible. He's able to do, and we're talking about exceeding, exceedingly beyond, beyond what? Beyond your power. All that you can ask or even conceive of. I mean, think about your brain next to God's brain. 
God has given us an incredible brain. I mean, He He created us and gave us. Uh, it's a wonder. I mean, it's it's amazing the abilities that the human brain has, and that they say we've only developed and are using ten percent of our brain. I mean, it's just unimaginable. I mean, the things that the human brain could do and conceive of, and can learn to do are really incredible because God created the human brain. But if we could go all the way to 100% of the capacity of our human brain, God far exceeds all that we could conceive of. How does He do that? According to the power, that's the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. Now that scripture says that my God is able God is able. You know, the word dunamis, where it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that word dunamis uh, means abilities, God's abilities, God's abilities. Now, God's abilities are the things I'm talking about that we can't even conceive of because He's so far beyond us, but He'll show us those things and do those things through us as we yield ourselves to Him. God is able, in other words, God's power, His abilities working in us and through us can do far beyond what you can even think of. What do we do? We just yield to Him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm telling you what. Jesus doesn't just baptize in water for repentance, but He baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. This is Steve Hutto, the founder of Harvest Celebration Ministries. Harvest Celebration Ministries is a missions organization through which we reach the nations of Honduras, India, and other nations with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. Through Harvest Celebration Ministries, you can sponsor a child for a very low monthly donation of just $25 per month. Each sponsorship provides school clothes, shoes, school supplies, food, and a gift for each child at Christmas time. For more information, visit Harvest Celebration Ministries at www.harvcell.com. That's www.harvcel.com. Now I want to go over to Acts chapter 2, where the uh, actual Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was the, the feast in which they celebrated the giving of the law 50 days after the Passover was celebrated. Well, of course, Jesus was sacrificed during Passover, and 50 days after that, when they were celebrating the giving of the law, which was from the high place, from heaven, on the mountain, well, that's the same time that God chose, Jesus chose, to pour out the Holy Spirit. That's why the word Pentecost, which means 50, is always associated with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, those that are uh, believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. But Pentecost was actually the feast where the law was given. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the law was written upon our hearts supernaturally, supernaturally, as the Holy Spirit was poured out. And this is the day it happened. It says in Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire. Remember, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And there appeared to them, verse 3, tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them the utterance. This was when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2 that God in the last days would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Well, that began on the day of Pentecost. And He didn't fill everybody with the Holy Spirit, but He introduced the Holy Spirit to those who were waiting, as Jesus said. But when He poured out the Holy Spirit on that day, at the same time, He made the Spirit available to any and every person that would come to know Jesus and then call upon Him. You know, the Scripture says that the, 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 the Holy Spirit impelled those people who received the Spirit to, to go out into the street and they were praising God in heavenly languages and other languages. And um, Peter gets up when they were accusing him of being drunk and this and that was happening. And, and Peter gets up and he preaches a, a, a long sermon under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. He denied that he even knew Jesus. He didn't just say, oh, I'm not with him. He said, I don't even know the guy. He denied three times that he knew him. This is the same Peter, but now he is baptized in the Holy Spirit and he gets up in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing. And he preaches this incredibly evangelistic, powerful message about Jesus, how they crucified the Savior, and what they need to do to make it right. And in uh, chapter 2 of uh, Acts, verse 33, this is what Peter says about the Holy Spirit. He says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, talking about Jesus, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. So he was talking about what had happened. And so this message that Peter was preaching uh, began to get to the hearts of the people that were listening. Verse 37, Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, these were Jewish people, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, remember, the promise of the Father, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And watch this. As many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel that you're called to God through Jesus? In other words, do you feel that you're saved? Do you know that you're saved? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you call yourself a Christian? Do you believe that you are a Christian? Then the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for you. Why? For ministry. God didn't just call you so that you would go to heaven. You know, and that brings up another question. This is going to be a bit controversial for some people, but it's going to get you to think. I can guarantee you that. Let me ask you a question. Is a person 
who receives Jesus or is a person who, who says the sinner's prayer or prays the sinner's prayer simply so they will not go to hell but will go, he- go to heaven, are they genuinely saved? Let me ask that again. If a person prays the sinner's prayer for the purpose of not going to hell but going to heaven and that's all they have in their heart, all they have in their mind, because some person said something to them like, well, if you die tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Which kind of focuses on the then and not the now. Is that person genuinely saved? Well, they could be, but there's a, a great chance that they're not saved. They just pray the sinner's prayer because in their mind, they know it's better to go to heaven instead of burning and being tortured in hell forever and ever and ever. But let me ask you another question. If a person prays the sinner's prayer in response to the love of Jesus Christ piercing their heart, revealing to them their need for a Savior, touching them, and drawing them to the love of Jesus Christ, if that person says the sinner's prayer because of that, and of course they'll go to heaven, is that person really saved? Yes, they are. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because in this message, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter preaches this message that stirs the heart of the people so much so that they said, What shall we do? What must we do to be saved? Peter says, You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sins. And you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is not only water baptism here. This is accepting, receiving Jesus, surrendering your entire life, not starting when you die, but when you accept Jesus and ask Him into your heart. That second, surrendering your life to Him in service to Him because God has pricked your heart and reveal to you that you're a sinner and without Him you are lost. Not only when you go to heaven or hell, or not only when you die, but right now. This is where the Holy Spirit can make a difference. And I'm not judging whether someone here is saved or there is not saved or whatever because they just prayed the sinner's prayer. That's not for me to judge. But I do think that it's highly possible that a lot of people are made to pray, they're coerced into praying the sinner's prayer simply because the focus is on where you're going to spend eternity. Yes, that is important. That is crucial, and it can't happen without that. But equally as important, God needs to prick your heart. He needs to touch a person's heart to reveal to them they are a sinner and they do need Jesus Christ. This is more likely to happen through a person who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, who's speaking the words of God, who's conveying the thoughts of God, who is ministering the Spirit of God because they themselves are endued with power from on high. I'm telling you what, friends, I'm getting so excited. I feel the presence of the Lord right now, and I just release Him to you. If you're hungry for more of the Holy Spirit, If you're hungry for the the power of God to move in your life and through your life, if you're hungry, uh, let me just flip that. 
If you are frustrated because it seems like God is not moving in your life, that your walk with Him is, is, is ho-hum and it's status quo, it's mediocre, then you probably are a great candidate for the baptism in the Holy Spirit or for fresh fire from heaven, which is a re-infilling of the Holy Spirit. Man, I just release that to you right now. I just release the Spirit of God upon you to draw you in to His presence and to draw you closer because you already have a desire to be closer to Him and He has what you need to make up the difference and then some. Man, I done gone to preaching. Well, that's what I do. And again, Jesus, I mean, uh, the, the, the Apostle Peter said here, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And you know what? 3,000 people ended up getting saved that day. Now, could Peter have done that? Just up to moments before they received the Holy Spirit, he was poured out. Could Peter have done that when they're hiding behind locked doors in fear for their lives? Not wanting anybody to know that they followed this man called Jesus because they might get killed? But yet he said, wait, so they're waiting, they're doing what he said. I don't think it would have happened then, but after the Holy Spirit fell upon those apostles or those original uh, people in the upper room, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, something changed because they were empowered to preach forth forth the gospel and 3,000 people get saved (laughs) immediately after Peter's first sermon under the anointing. The same thing with Jesus. Jesus was born of the Spirit of God like we have to be. I mean, born, you know, born again. we were born again. He was born of God. He came out of the womb born of God. But yet, God saw to it that before He went out and began His ministry, which made everything possible for us, He was also baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. So now, people were being filled with the Holy Spirit and they were, they were being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's the story, the incident, if you will, over in Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the Gentiles. And um, Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and uh, he was a centurion in the Italian uh, cohort, or the, the Italian battalion, and the scripture says that he loved God, he knew something was up. God had stirred his heart, but he had heard about what was going on through Peter and some of these original apostles. So he sent for Peter, and being a Gentile, Peter was a little reluctant to come, but God showed him a vision uh, that, that he had cleansed all things through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he came and talked to Cornelius and his whole family who had assembled there waiting on Peter, and he said that... Uh, God had showed him a vision of Peter coming to his house and preaching the gospel to them. And so Peter said, well, you know what? In verse 34 of Acts chapter 10, he says, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And so this is when Peter was preaching and he said, You yourselves know the things which took place through all, throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism. By the way, that's when Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, which John proclaimed. Remember? 
And he said, and that's when Jesus went forth, and he said, You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. He's still talking about this baptism of John, that, that time. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter is saying, You know this, because that's why they invited Peter and summoned him to come. But Peter goes on and talks about Jesus. And in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers, these were the Jewish people that used to think, and some of them probably did still think, that the Gentile people who were not Jewish were still unclean. All these uncircumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Well, I am out of time. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to pick it up in part three. We're going to talk about how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, in the next session, if you hadn't already done it now. Thank you so much for logging on and checking out uh, my podcast You have a blessed day. I'll see you next time. God bless you.